Hi friends, I'm Carissa, the UFCVM communications intern and pre-vet student. In this field we're pursuing, there's loss, suffering, and guilt often riddled in much of the hard cases. The ones where there's financial need, a disconnect, or a lack of tenderness. Tune in to focus on emotional stability, a skill needed in a field known for its compassion fatigue. Welcome to the Pre-Vet Pausecast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Pausecast. I'm Alex Avellino, and I'm so excited to have two fabulous folks in the booth today to talk about potentially a tricky topic, emotional stability. Just a reminder that every episode of the podcast this season goes over the VEMCAST Letters of Breck personal people skill qualities. And one of these qualities is ranking someone on a scale of excellent to poor on emotional stability. So with that, I'd like to welcome my guests, Kristen McCallum and Kayla Shelley. Welcome to the podcast, gals. Thanks so much. This is very, very exciting. I'm very happy to be here. Kayla, do you want to tell them that you manifested this? I Mm -hmm. did by bothering Alex on the daily basis. And also I'm having my Beyonce moment in this very second. I'm really excited to make dreams come true today. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let's talk emotional stability. Before we get started, we should find out where our guests came from. So we'll start with Kristen. Will you tell them your title? Mm-hmm. and a little bit about your professional background. My title is Wellbeing Coordinator, and I am in the College of Veterinary Medicine getting to work with students and also just kind of like well-being programming overall. My background is I'm a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida and Louisiana and have been in K-12 through um, educational settings for a pretty long time. Uh, working with students on building skills and uh, all in kind of service of their academic success. And Kayla? I'm a second-year vet student here at UFCVM. Go Gators! My undergrad, I went to Cornell University, majoring in animal science, and I'm interested in wildlife health and public health. Off the bat, do y'all think, Kristen from a professional standpoint and Kayla from a student standpoint, that having recommenders rank potential candidates on emotional stability is important to vet school and why? So I definitely think it's important, um, especially when it comes to vet students, because when we're doing these recommendations, the whole purpose is how are you going to be as a vet, but also as a vet student, and can you handle yourself in stressful situations? And that's the whole point of those rankings is this person is emotionally stable. Even when something stressful is happening, they're responding in an adequate and healthy way and working in a team setting. So 100%, I definitely think it's relevant. Hmm. I agree. And I love that you kind of, um, you know, mentioned the experiences that they're going to have as to the why. So I'm actually going to come at it from a different perspective and say, it's always good to just be self-aware and to know where you stand. So, you know, if you're not sure the kind of where your goal is, or even if you have the goal identified, if you don't know where you're starting from, then how do you get there? So if you know that vet school is the goal, then you know what the prereqs are to take it, right? So you know where you're at and you kind of mark them off as you're going down your list of, of credits and things like that. Same thing for just well-being in general and being a holistic human being in any field. Um, You want to make sure that you are living your optimal life every single day or as many days as possible. And the start is to know where you're at. So, Kristen, what I think I hear you saying is self-awareness and knowing where you're at really plays into understanding and knowing your emotions and who you are as an emotional being. Is that what we're saying? Absolutely. And I think, you know, others' perspective is really great feedback for us to be able to 
then grow from. Yeah, so like the the recommenders, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. we're saying it's really important to form relationships with professionals who know you, who know who you are. Kayla, it wasn't that long ago that you applied to veterinary school. The folks who wrote your letters of rec, what kind of relationship did you have with them slash what kinds of interactions did you have with them to feel confident that they're going to rank you high in these areas? Well, for my first recommender, I was working at that clinic since I was 16 years old, so they definitely knew me. They had seen me struggle and succeed um, working in the clinic, and they've seen me approach problems in hopefully a creative way, and that's why they felt comfortable writing my letter of recommendation, and it was good enough to get me here, so I'm so excited about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And my other recommenders um, were people I either worked with or had, well, yes, they were all people who I had worked with who had seen me react to problems, and they were impressed enough to write me my letter of rec. So we were all very close. Kristen, you've been here for a hot minute now, and you've probably seen a good amount of veterinary students. What kinds of emotional situations are we seeing students face in the veterinary curriculum where they might need some extra help or they need to take a little bit more time for themselves? What can these pre-vets expect to face when they get here? That's a great question. When small moments and micro moments can feel really, really big and really massive. So with the emotional stability piece, it comes with, you know, each day I have highs and I have lows and they all kind of regulate and um, kind of maybe uh, balance out in the end. It's how well I, you know, live through those highs and remember them and how well I get through the low moments in order to kind of keep myself balanced and moving forward and not get stuck in those uh, moments that can feel really overwhelming. So I think a lot of times for veterinary students, what I've seen is um, whether the outcome is not what they wanted or someone hurt them or hurt their feelings, um, which can sound you know, kind of like, oh, somebody hurt my feelings, but essentially it's, it feels not great. Um, and so being able to work through those things and say, okay, is that you know, a really significant factor? Is that a smaller factor? What I hear you saying is emotional stability is about like balancing out a pendulum. We have our highs, we have our lows. How quickly can we adapt and move through each one? Yeah. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, I think I see it a lot with like test scores because maybe there's fewer exams than you might have had in undergrad. And so, um, you know, it can feel like one, if you're kind of already a little bit unsure or if think something feels hard and overwhelming, we look for like confirmation bias in everything. So we look for it in some of the smallest of moments. And unfortunately, our brain holds on to negativity more than it holds on to positivity. So um, when I get a score that is not quite what I want it to be, it feels really massive and big and feels like this isn't where I'm supposed to be and all of those things. It's kind of a ripple effect. And we're thinking about test scores because that's one of the main things students are dealing with. They're mm-hmm. students. Yeah. They're in school. They have a lot of pressure. There's exams coming every other week. These exams can affect if they have to repeat a semester, if they're going to get that internship someday. So I think for pre-vet students, thinking about how you do react in an academic setting to your exams, to studying, learning about that. Kayla, for you as a DVM student, what kinds of emotional experiences do you feel like you're facing or your classmates are facing 
uh, both within like testing, but other things like what comes up often? What are some of the themes that we're seeing when our emotions are going wild? So number one is definitely usually test scores. I like how Kristen touched on it earlier, but it's all about expectations. So you have you set certain you build this up and you set a certain expectation for yourself. And when you do, like Kristen said, not as well as you wanted, um, it's really disappointing, especially if you're spending hours studying, days studying for this exam. It's so disappointing. And in that moment, that's usually where I have to work on my emotional stability. Also, definitely um, relationships come up a lot. Relationships between your classmates, relationships with your significant other. Um, That's usually another point of stress for students. And that's also a reminder to everyone that vet school is not just about the exams. It's about the relationships that you build with everyone while you're in vet school. And analyzing how this interaction went versus another interaction can be a high point of stress for people. Kristen, do you prescribe to the con- the idea that having strong relationships is one of the foundations of having a happy, healthy life? Absolutely, because it can be really taxing or beneficial. You know, if our relationships are like in sync and aligned, then that can increase our resiliency and the ability to bounce back from, you know, kind of what we would consider to be setbacks. Um, And in contrast, if our relationships are not, you know, where we would like for them to be, that can just be one more thing that we can catastrophize and say everything is overwhelming, nothing is good right now. So that kind of all or nothing thinking is where emotional stability can help out and kind of keep you regulated. And I, I'm, so what I'm hearing is some of the big ticket items are definitely how we're responding to that high, rigorous, intense academic testing experience, how we're managing our relationships. What about the animal side of it? Just working with animals who are in pain, working with clients who are maybe a little bit um, off, off the cuff. How, how do we think emotional stability plays into the actual general practice kind of day-to-day veterinary experience? I think it all goes back to how you respond to it. Um, personally, like like Alex said, dealing with an irate client who is frustrated about their animal, you're frustrated about their animal, they're yelling at you. And just like Kristen said, some confirmation bias can come into that as well. So you start to berate yourself as well. And I think what that comes down to is you have to stop in that moment and recognize that you did everything that you could for your patient and that you're trying your your best every day. You're showing up every single day. And once you kind of accept that, then I start you I think you start going down the road towards emotional stability on the daily day basis. Yeah. So we were talking about clients and you said, uh, yeah, so I would say you know, something that I think both veterinary students and pre-vet students can, you know, think about and start to build and work on is when you are working with clients or animals or whatever else, you know, in life in general, you really want to be the thermostat and not the thermometer. It can be really hard to go into a space in a room where someone is hurting or some, you know, someone they love is hurting and to go in and have to kind of have an emotionally regulated conversation with them. So building these skills before you get to vet school will only make it easier when you do get here. It's not going to make everything easy. It's not going to make it all, you know, a piece of cake when you have to deliver difficult news or just have a challenging situation, but it is going to build up your resiliency and the skills you need to have those types of conversations. So I think about, you know, if I were it's our brain kind of defaults to what we do the most. So we know that like the neurons that fire together, wire together, everybody's kind of heard that saying. And essentially it's just that they also wire together a lot stronger the more we do this thing. And so um, one example that I give a lot of times, which just by default kind of proves that or validates it, I suppose, because I can't come up with a better one. So I just keep giving it and then it gets stronger and stronger. 
um, is if I were to go to the gym every single day and lift weights with my left arm, my left arm gets really strong, but I'm ignoring my right arm. I don't want to lift weights with that one, so no problem. When I'm out and somebody is, you know, like we play baseball or we're playing a sport or something and somebody throws a ball at me, I am going to go with whichever arm I use the most, not necessarily which one is strongest and healthiest. So if I am lifting weights with my left arm, but I'm right-handed, and so my brain is used to using my right hand for everything, I'm going to put my weaker arm up to grab that ball. Like, that just doesn't make sense. So I have to be really intentional with either, you know, creating more strength in that right arm or using my left arm with which I'm going to catch the ball. So it's just making sure that the skill you want to use the most, you're really intentional in building as much as you can for, like, uh, a response. Do we think emotional stability is black and white? Like you either have someone who is emotionally stable and someone who's not, does it look the same for each person? Where do we think the shades of gray come into place with defining someone as emotionally stable? So personally for me, I don't think emotionally stability looks the same for everyone. Everyone responds to stressful situations differently and we should never really grade someone on how this person did versus this person did because they are all coping in different ways. I would say that personally, I think that as long as they're not harming anyone, as long as they're not harming themselves, as long as they have coping mechanisms that are healthy, you know, reading a book, going on a hike, things like that, um, emotional stability can look as big as a rainbow. I mean, Kayla, you're not wrong. When you said like each person is going through something or has been through something else, like Uh, How could it be black and white? Because each person came from a different lived experience, different parenting styles. They're from a different area, different culture. Culturally, Mm -hmm. emotional stability can look completely different. So I like this idea. Kristen, what do you think? Yeah, I think emotional stability is very fluid um, and circumstantial a lot of times. I love, um, you know, uh, my Balak often does like a lot of mental health myths. And we tend to think that mental health issues are permanent and forever and kind of stagnant and fixed. And that's not the case. You know, there's a lot of situational things that happen in life. And um, sometimes it's, you know, the highs are not necessarily sticking around for a long time and the lows are not necessarily sticking around for a long time. So it does kind of it comes and goes and it can be very fluid. And it's it's uh, making me think of a quote you just shared with us about forever. Will you give that Alice in Wonderland quote? Uh, Sure. I hope I don't mess it up. Um, But essentially, I think Alice asks the rabbit, well, how long is forever? And um, the rabbit answers, sometimes just one second. So if you're in a moment, folks, and it's feeling like it's going to be forever, it's valid, but it is going to pass. And maybe that's part of what emotional stability is about, is that maturity to know I'm not going to be stuck in this place forever. And while I'm in here, what can I do to help my help me get myself out of it? Kayla and I were talking about earlier that we both agree with. Uh, what do we agree about anxiety? Um, we agree that in, you stress about it for over two days, but then that there, it takes one second to do. And that's the best way of dealing with anxiety is action. Doing yes. that thing that you're anxious about. Yes. The dread feels awful in the moment. We dread, dread, dread. It take, the dread is much longer than the actual act, but the antidote to anxiety can often be action. So if you are feeling maybe today emotionally unstable and things feel completely out of your control, maybe there's something that you can do to get out of that. Kristen. Yeah. Let's say a DVM student comes into your office and they're feeling one might say emotionally unstable, whatever that looks like for that person, because we've agreed that it's defined differently for each person. Yeah. What are some things that they can do in the moment 
to help them feel more in control? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, it kind of depends on just how overwhelming that anxiety feels. I think there's some grounding techniques that could be really helpful um, and really beneficial to kind of get us out of that survival brain. You know, whenever we're experiencing anxiety, our body's not sure what is a physical threat and what's an emotional threat. And those are kind of two different levels, but it interprets them all the same. So if we can help it sense some safety, then we know we don't have a physical threat in front of us. We just have maybe an emotional or psychological threat. Not to say that's not as equally overwhelming. Um, so doing some grounding techniques, which you can kind of find like online. Um, I love ice cubes and three, two, one situations. Um, I think there's also being scientists, like you're going into science for a reason and I love science because it is really objective and helpful in these times. So whether it's in moments of overwhelm, um, it's maybe a little bit challenging because our brain again tends to kind of be Velcro for that negative experience or um, seeing all of the, the challenging things at one time. But you can also be scientists about it and get like baseline data and kind of objectively say, okay, I got a C on this exam, if that's what it is, or if it's, you know, maybe it's difficult news with a relationship or a family member or health-wise or something else. Well, how, you know, how many times in life has this happened to me? Um, and what is like the ratio of positive to negative outcomes that I've had? Because there's a high likelihood, I would argue, that if you've typically been an A student and you've gotten this C, that C is really impactful but history tells me that I'm capable of getting the A's and that I can get to that place and, and I have that ability in me somewhere, maybe not every single time. So I think right-sizing the kind of issue that you're looking at, um, and sometimes it is larger things of greater magnitudes, in which case you do want to kind of talk through it with somebody or have maybe some action steps that you can take in place. Kayla, what, what has worked for you as a DVM student when you are in the thick of an emotion? What is something that you gravitate towards in, in that immediacy? Um, the first thing I do is practice square breathing. So that's inhale for four, exhale for four, inhale for four, exhale for four. Um, and that's going to get me past my initial like burst of anxiety. And then I have a playlist. It's called my instant happiness playlist. Play- playlist? I'm not going to do this. And it's essentially all the songs that has ever made me happy ever. And I have it on shuffle. And that really, really helps calm me down in the moment before I can start processing my emotions and recognizing what set me off and how I can fix that. What about for folks who are trying to think about a little bit more long term, a month from now, if they're feeling like they'd really like to start feeling a little bit more stable in their emotions, a little bit more grounded and a little bit more aware, what would we recommend that they do over the next month? Um, I think something I would add for today and the next month is uh, going outside. Just go stand outside for a couple of minutes. We know how powerful sunlight and vitamin D can be if you are able to um, get outside for just a few minutes. Uh, connecting with nature can be really impactful. And it doesn't mean you have to you know, take your shoes off and feel the ground. You can if you want to. But just being um, outside and away from technology for just a few minutes if your lifestyle affords that. I think um, in a month also we, you could uh, – you could very well watch, you know, something that is educational and entertaining, like the movie Inside Out, um, which Kayla mentioned was, um, I don't know, enjoyable and informational, I think. Yes. It's all about regulating your emotions. It's a Pixar movie, so you're going to love it. I highly recommend watching it. It really helped me figure out some stuff about myself. Yeah. And it helps, I think, just to even, you know, sometimes we understand ourselves better through relational, like uh, relationships or context with others. And so if I see what, you know, sad or excited looks like in others, then I can connect to it a little bit better with me. Like something in me connects to something in you, which only builds our community and increases our emotional stability as well. 
And then in the next month, I would also say, uh, like Kristen was mentioning, something informational podcast. So Brene Brown has a few great podcasts that you can listen to, especially the episode about permission to feel will really help you understand your emotions. And in the pre-vet podcast in season one, I think we have, it's one or two, there's an episode about feelings as well. So get into the feelings work. Oh, I was just going to say there's another podcast called 10% Happier. I've which, heard of this. Yeah. It yeah. can help you connect. I don't know if you want to put it out there or not, but sure. it can. Um, we it love can, resources. It can help connect uh, and just yeah, be a little mindful and, and intentional because until until the positive becomes the default, we have to be really intentional in, in doing that um, to overcome some of those those lower moments. What could they be doing a year from now? What do we hope that a year from now we're looking back at this date and time and we're we're feeling what what have we done differently? I think a year from now, you've already built your routine. Um, it's something that's making you happy on the regular basis. And then also, hopefully, day one, you're journaling. And a year from now, you can reflect back on that and see how much growth you've made over that year. Yeah, I agree. I think the journaling is a great idea, um, whether it's you know actually writing it down or putting it in your phone. Um, it helps you to kind of reflect on what you've experienced in the past, um, and it can sometimes take a little bit of the guesswork out of it. So when we recall memories, we don't always recall them accurately every single time. Our brain likes to play a little trick, and so that's a great way to kind of see, oh, this is how I was feeling then, and um, this is where how, I, how I've changed over the last year. Also, therapy. Um, I love therapy. I think everyone should go see a therapist at some point. Um, and I think once you've had that year to kind of grow and check in on yourself and really build a foundation for checking in on your emotions, going to see a therapist is a great step. We talk a lot about like self-care, I think, in the field of mental health and just what that looks like. And um, something else I would kind of add is, you know, there's so many different categories to it. It is not as, you know, a lot of um, news articles kind of let us know. It's not just about like taking you know, getting massages or taking lovely baths or eating chocolate and things like sometimes it's doing the harder things that make our day to day lives better um, that are a little bit more challenging. And so I would say, you know, look up some some ideas about what self-care actually is, all the different domains. And maybe you choose just one to focus on for the year. It could be, you know, budgeting, which doesn't necessarily mean like restricting your spending. It just means outlining something because I want to make a big purchase or I want to go on a really big trip. Um, it could be, you know, an emotional uh, category or physical, which would, again, involve the massages because not hating on massages by any means. Um, and then, you know, if you look at the eight or nine different domains um, of well-being and see maybe there's just one that you want to to focus on. Focusing on all could be really overwhelming, um, but maybe that's also something that you journal about as well to see your growth. I agree. And also to add for any pre-vets out there getting ready to apply, I think that a really good one to work on is feeding yourself learning how to feed yourself in healthy and intentional ways and getting into those habits now because once you get to vet school, there's still plenty of time to build those habits, but it's great if you already have that muscle memory of, oh, I need to meal prep, I need to do this. And so when you're putting good stuff into your body, your brain's going to work better, I promise. Let's bring it full circle. Letters of rec. Kayla, soon, sooner than later, you'll be Dr. Shelley. That is true. Kristen, somebody could approach you uh, asking either one of you to write them a letter of recommendation for vet school. 
when you are evaluating the emotional stability piece, what kinds of interactions we've, we've talked about it a lot, but helping, you know, watching someone, how they regulate, how they cope, but what are some things you're looking for when you're evaluating that student on a level of excellent emotional stability? I would say um, in that first moment, let's say there's a scenario, a dog comes in and either we did all we could and it might've passed away or something along those lines. I first thing I want to see out of the student is obviously you can have your moment of expressing your emotions. That's completely fine. But I want to see what steps you're taking next. I want to see you make a game plan. I want to see you reaching out to people and asking for help if you need it or offering help if others need it. I think those are two factors that I really, really would want to see in any person I would feel comfortable giving a recommendation to. I like that. I think I would also add, um, please don't make it where, you know, you're going to run the marathon first and then hydrate. You have to be training for it and hydrating in advance, similar to like your your feeding yourself thing of building that muscle memory now. Um, I think about uh, just the self-awareness and, you know, does what you are feeling and experiencing on the inside kind of align with what um, others are experiencing around you on the outside as well. Um, because you want to make sure that you are in this for the long haul, like in the, this work is very sustainable for you. And the best way to do that is really building up those skills now and just continually being introspective so that you can just learn more about yourself. Um, and if there's something that maybe feels scary, sometimes those you know big feelings can feel really scary. You can do it with a professional or even maybe a, a trusted friend sometimes until you get to the, the stage of you know going into therapy and things like that. Um, but most things, if not all things, I would say all things actually feel scary when they're unknown. Um, different is strange, unfortunately, whether it's healthy or not, that's, it's always kind of how it registered um, upstairs in our brain. So if that's the case, then just reach out and um, see what you can discover about yourself. What big life advice? Do these pre-vet students need to hear from each of you? Something either relating to emotional stability or not, but something that has really helped you and you think could help them in their stage of the game when they're getting ready to apply, thinking about these big goals and dreams, what advice do you each have for them? So my big advice is don't compare yourself to others. And I know this is a really, really hard one, and everyone is guilty of maybe passing out those papers, like, oh, my God, this person got this grade, and I got this grade. I'm, it's over with. That's done with. No. You're your own individual person. Everyone is on their own journey. Don't look at anybody else's lane. Stay in your lane, and you will get there. I 100% promise. That's really good. I like that so much. Um, yeah, I think I would say just start building um, all of the habits you can now with some of these things that we've talked about. Um, because, you know, you don't want to be reading the instructions on a fire extinguisher in moments of crisis, like when in the time has come that you need it. Um, so... Maybe it's the like just even try not to compare yourself to others right now, right? But you know before you're you're applying to vet school and um, yeah, gauging that kind of growth and whatever else you want to for yourself. Because comparison is is absolutely the thief of joy, and that was that was powerful. I liked it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I practice that on the daily in vet school, and I'm just happy I hit my goals. That's all that matters. Which because you're practicing it on the daily, it just becomes stronger and stronger in your brain, and then. Not only is it your default, but then when others approach you, which speaking of relationships, when others approach you for support or they are overwhelmed or whatever else, it's kind of your go-to to say this thing to them. And because they're seeing you live it, that makes it a little bit more powerful each time. That's cool. 
The romance between you two is just, <laughs> I am here for it. Well, I want to thank you both for being on the show today. Gosh, thank you. Thanks for um, inviting me and asking me and then giving me the best booth partner ever. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Kristen and Alex. I'm having my Beyonce moment right now and I love it. Well, I'm Alex Avellino and we'll talk to you soon. Do you want to have a Beyonce moment though? Can I do, wait, do I do like a, ooh, do I do a riff? What do I Don't do? ask me. You're the one who you, likes, you, oh my gosh, I, I, Beyonce. Know, I didn't have anything prepared. Well, I mean, why don't you do the, uh, okay. boy, you know, killing me softly. Yeah, okay, so start at the beginning. I don't know, oh, okay, you want to do that? I don't know what song to sing. From I'm, Countdown, because that, that to me is a Beyonce moment. Oh, killing me softly. I actually don't know the words to that song. It sounded like a, a ghost came out of your body. <laughs> That wouldn't be the song I pick. Okay, what? But have your moment. Okay, we'll sit back. Girl, put your records on. Play me your favorite. That's not Beyonce. Song. That's Kurt and Bailey Ray. I know that, but that's the song I would sing. Oh, okay. In my Beyonce sorry, moment. Sorry, sorry, oh my sorry. gosh, Alex, you're sorry. ruining this for me. I just was shocked. I was like, I know that's not Beyonce. Can I add something to that? Absolutely. Thanks. Um, the only thing you need permission for in here, Kristen, is to feel. Yes, permission <laughs> to feel. Other than that, you can do whatever can you want. I feel?